to the American Horse Pirates podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, as always, joined by Philip Slavin. How are you doing tonight? Uh, well, it's the NBA draft right now, watching it, and the Thunder have just drafted a super raw, skinny, uh, seven-foot-tall Euro kid who can't shoot but has a seven-foot-two wingspan. If that's not the most Oklahoma City Thunder pick you've ever heard in your entire life, I don't know what is. I. Like, I'm not even the biggest fan of the Thunder. And, um, yeah, that's still, that's still pretty fitting. Even I know that in my very limited knowledge of NBA basketball. I mean, he'll be ready about in time for the Thunder to be good, in theory. Like, he'll be ready to go in a few years, and then, then they'll be good, and hopefully he'll be worthwhile, but we'll see. I mean, we'll the see. Thunder have, what, like 300 first-round picks over the next couple of years, so, like, you can kind of throw darts at the wall and see what happens. I think that's right. Yeah, that sounds right. Sure, that sounds right. Again, like they want to lose this season. So, like they have no desire to win. You you want the number one pick so that you can keep Cade Cunningham in, in Oklahoma. <laughs> I, I'd be all for that. That would be – that would be a good time, man. I'll, I'll in on that. Yeah. No, it would. It would. Yeah, look, keep him in state. Might as well. Yeah, why not? Uh, it's it's uh, what is it? How, what, what's a to do the alliteration right? We need something that it's it's uh, something that it starts with a C or the K sound. It's it's you gotta crap the bed for Cade or uh, <laughs> Cade for Cade. I don't know. We gotta we gotta we gotta someone have to spitball this. We're gonna have to work this a little bit. Someone that's incredibly that's, that's so, to me. Yeah, someone that's incredibly creative on NBA Twitter is gonna get that going pretty quick. I'd imagine. All right, let's not beat around the bush anymore, Philip. It is Bedlam Week. Oklahoma State is playing OU in prime time on ABC. College game day is going to be in Norman. Sets up a game with obvious, huge Big 12 title implications. Um, but it is also Bedlam Week, and therefore we should just prepare ourselves for the inevitable pain that shall come on Saturday night. Let me just, let me just do this. This is, this is uh, the soundtrack of what my Saturday night will be right here. If Except it'll just be on repeat over and over and over and over again. I can hear right. that. So I will sidetrack for a second. If you didn't know, uh, the podcast beer is essential to this operation here that Philip and I have going. Uh, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm drinking a it's from Wiseacre. It's a brewery out of Memphis. Uh, the wife and I were in Memphis this past weekend getting some stuff for our daughter's new bedroom. So, so I stopped by the brewery on the way out of town and picked up anything. This is called a Starless. Uh, it's a it's a dark beer, but it's 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 dark in color uh, and in flavor, but light in drink. If that makes sense, sounds pretty solid. I, I like. It's that not a I, heavy one. It, yes, it I, tastes like a dark beer. It's dark in color, but it doesn't drink heavy. Yeah. So I will say I have expanded my horizons a little bit over the last a couple of months when it comes to moving over more into to darker beer. And tonight I have the uh, Polar Eclipse Imperial Stout from Roughtail Brewing in Oklahoma City, one of my favorites in the state. And this is really, really good. Mm. Very kind of sweet, heavy, but not like, not overly, like not overpowering and feel like I'm, you know, eating a whole meal with it. Yeah, no, that sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah. We do have a, uh, a fantastic guest on the show tonight, uh, Kamiar Morabian from Crimson and Cream Machine. I was on the on their Oklahoma Breakdown podcast with him and Jack Shields. Yesterday, we're recording on Wednesday, so that podcast is out today if you want to hear my perspective on the game from their point of view. Uh, it's a really fun interview. Those guys are awesome. And we're going to have Kamiar on to give his perspective on our end. So, But back-to-back nights interviewing him, but he's, he's a really cool dude. I think you guys are going to like this a lot. All right, and we will have an interview for you on the other side of this break. We will be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Philip and I are now joined by Kamiar Morabian. He hosts the podcast over at Crimson and Cream Machine, does work over there, going to help us talk about Bedlam here, help us preview the game on Saturday night. 
College Game Day, Primetime on ABC. How are you doing tonight, man? Uh, man, I'm doing, I'm doing well. Uh, we, just, we just talked last evening, so I feel like we're uh, starting like a, a little relationship here. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of nice, man. How are you guys? Oh, hang in there. Okay, Philip and I talked about at the beginning of our podcast, uh, on our intro. What do you think about the Thunder's pick at 17? I'm, I am, I'm underwhelmed. Uh, but if you're if you're drafting at number 17, uh, there's probably that's probably going to happen a lot at 17. It's going to be like, hey, let's draft a project like Terrence Ferguson or Darius Baisley or this guy who will probably be a lot better in a few years. And if the goal is to suck, then I mean Oklahoma City is going to get it. So hopefully they can get Imani Bates or uh, Cade Cunningham next year, and uh, then we can start. The, the the actual rebuild so I'm, I'm i'm okay as long as they get kate or monty bates uh, okay so let's talk let's talk bedlam you've seen okay, i'm just i'm just so gonna defeat, say it. you seem so defeated already it's like, I, uh, how can we not be it's wednesday here's my here's my policy here's my deal um i've done this enough times that i don't i don't even mean to be like jaded it's more just like like we there is enough evidence and data to go into this game going, I just don't. I, I, yeah, I'm not. I, gonna, I'm no longer going to pick Oklahoma State to win until they do because I just don't. I just can't do that to myself. Like I can't let a sliver of hope slip in. It's you know, mm-hmm. just can't do it. Yeah. Um, after after 2017, when I left the stadium feeling like I feeling like I had my heart ripped out of my chest, I was like, I can't. I can't do this again. Like I had legitimate hope that year that Oklahoma State. Should was going to win that game and probably should have, and they just found a way to found a way to lose. And after that, I said, I can't do it. I can't have hope. <laughs> so until they win, and until they win like five out of seven, which I'll probably be dead before that happens. I, I'm not picking Oklahoma State to beat OU. <laughs> was 2017 the one in Stillwater? Yes, that was the game day. It was like 62-52. Baker threw for like uh, yeah, 955 okay. yards. Okay. Yeah. Yes, because Mason Rudolph was near the. They were near the end zone, and Will Johnson intercepted a pass to almost ice that game. To Mar- yeah, he threw that pass to Marcel Aitman that yes. uh, he should never have thrown. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of these games have been nauseous, except like the games where Oklahoma ends up playing backup quarterbacks. And when they're playing the starting quarterback, usually it's pretty okay. Uh, this is just... Like, Oklahoma's I mean... played a backup quarterback against OSU, like, what, two, three times in the last four years? It hasn't mattered. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> and, then, and then Mike Gundy actually threw in and injured Mason Rudolph in that Stillwater game when they were just getting route, which was not the best decision by his. By his. I mean, we talked about Mike Gundy before we even started talking. Like, I don't know what the hell he was thinking there. I, like, injured Mason Rudolph, and then he throws a pick and then gets pummeled by a defensive lineman in, in the middle of the game. That was yeah, – I remember that one. No, if you want to go back to <laughs> – Look, we can recount all the terrible Gundy coaching mistakes. I stand by 2009. They prop out Zach Robinson, who's basically weakens at bur- weakened at burning like the yeah. whole thing. Like he's literally I, I don't even I don't even know how he was walking. He was so beat to shit. Like the fact that you had Brandon Whedon on the bench, OU mm-hmm. won 27 to nothing. If yep. you had just run Brandon Whedon out there, I still think OSU was good enough to win in 2009. Yeah. Like because OU was good, but they weren't that good. And you put Brandon Whedon out there that year? No. Oh, oh no. No. I feel, I feel like this game, to me, and maybe, maybe you guys feel differently because of the end of you guys have been on over the last however many years. Uh, I feel like this game reminds me of 2003. Uh, both teams come in with a chance to add a conference championship. Uh, 2003, what Oklahoma State had Josh Fields, Tatum Bell, who had a cup of coffee in the NFL, or Sean Woods. Oklahoma's starting to peak. Uh, both teams have a really good shot. Now, I don't think Les Miles is going to say let it rip, and I don't think it's going to be 52 to 9, but I feel like Oklahoma State's walking in with some pretty good playmakers. Um, now they're not walking out with Sam Mays on the offensive line, and that's a pretty big issue going on right now, I figure. Yeah, the offensive line right now, and we talked about this last night on your show. Like, it's mm-hmm. been musical chairs all year. We just, and we don't really know the severe if anybody's back or healthy. Like, if Jake Springfield or left tackle is back, um, if Josh Sills still has to kick out to left tackle, which was horrendous against Kansas State. 
Uh, if Tevin Jenkins is healthy, even though he had to play that game hurt against Kansas State, like there, that's it's the biggest question mark at this point, and we really won't know anything until close to game time. So that's that's a huge concern right now. Does OU have any ma- like major injury concerns or anything that makes you you know a little bit you know question anything going into Saturday? Uh, there's there are rumors floating around uh, one or two guys uh, that may be absent uh, due to like a COVID or contact trace this coming Saturday. Um, as far as I know, those names aren't necessarily high up on the food chain regarding OU's talent pool. Uh, they may be starters or one may be a starter, uh, but nothing incredibly significant. Um, as far as I know, the names are being floated around. Uh, this came at a really, really, this bye week really came at a proper time for OU, especially playing Texas Tech and Kansas back-to-back. Uh, you know, you get easy games. The goal is to not get hurt. I mean, Austin Stogner is a name to maybe watch for injuries or maybe being questionable for Saturday just because of the shots he's taken in the lower back uh, the last two of the last three games. Uh, he's just, you know, when you're six foot six, six foot seven, uh, bad things happen when you're when you're tall as hell and your back is long and you get upended. Um, so that's a name to watch out for. Uh, maybe the Sooners not dressing out on Saturday uh, because he's a major mismatch for a lot of guys. He can play the H, he can play the, the Y, he can be in double tight end sets. He's really versatile. He's, he's an athlete. He's huge. He's not like a Mark Andrews type. He's kind of uh, he's. I don't want to compare him to Jermaine Gresham, but he's very tall, very physical, but uh, he can be finesse at some points too. So that's really it. I mean, Leron Stokes on the defensive line, he hasn't been playing the last two games. He's been recovering a little bit. Um, so Oklahoma has been starting Ronnie Perkins, who they just got back Winfrey, who is, has always been there, Nick Benito at the rush edge, but they've been playing um, another guy. Uh, they've been filtering in tackles, uh, Josh Ellison, who was a Juco guy. And so they haven't been even playing with their full strength defensive line the past few games. Um, so uh, I assume Laurent Stokes Jr. will be back and uh, the Cowboys are going to face that front of Nick Benito, who leads the nation and uh, quarterback hurries per down rushes or whatever. Perry and Winfrey, who's been a very, very, he wasn't, he's not really a pleasant surprise considering Oklahoma was like, Hey, this guy's going to replace Neville Gallimore. And he's more than service the bill. LaRon Stokes has been playing well. Isaiah Thomas, who's been playing out of his mind this year. And then, of course, you add in the best defensive player on OU in Ronnie Perkins. And it's been, uh, it's been, it's been pretty bad for opposing quarterbacks the last couple of weeks. But then again, those are, that's Texas Tech. That's KU. So really nothing of note as far as injuries, except for maybe Austin Stogner. But Oklahoma gets Jaden Hazelwood back from the KU game. So you replace a four-star tight end with the top wide receiver in the country a couple of years ago. So, I think the thing for this game for me is, you know, you the forecast. Saturday night, low around 45, cloudy, 60% chance of rain. So, it's going to be cold. It's going to be gross. 15-mile-per-hour winds. This is not going to be a good game for throwing the ball a lot. So you're going to match up Oklahoma State uh, with the a a solid run game. Currently, uh, I believe the number two rushing offense in the Big Twelve versus the number one rushing defense in the Big Twelve in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. who I think you've allowed two, if I remember correctly from from my show, two only two players total have run for a hundred yards against Oklahoma. Yeah, that in Ellinger and Brees Hall. Yeah. And then Texas Tech had a bunch of guys combined to get over Oklahoma over 100 yards, but every other team's been held under 100. Yep. Um, this is a really good rush defense. And while I, I, I keep hearing every week that Oklahoma State's going up against the best defensive line in the Big 12, and it's it's wild to me that every defensive line, like, well, I got. You had this West, okay. Well, now West it's Virginia. and now it's now it's just, and now Iowa it's Oklahoma. State. And like, yes. okay, only one team can have the best. Like, there's you're gonna. It's not a four way tie. I I I'm not saying Oklahoma's defensive line isn't really good. It is good, um, but I do think it, the one thing I know they are good at is stopping the run. 
in a game where it feels like the ground games for both teams are going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I say all that when I really want to talk about the Oklahoma run game. I'm trying to find the balance between Oklahoma got Ramondi Stevenson back and the run game is looking so much better versus, yes, it looks so much better, but it was against Texas Tech and it was against Kansas. On my show, we have a rule. You throw out the Kansas stats, they don't count because Kansas is so bad. Everyone looks good. They, they, they just don't count. So how do we find the balance between OU has fixed their run game and, yeah, but it was against Texas Tech and Kansas, and how much can you really take away from that? Yeah, it's 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 tough to to really get any value from any of that. I mean, the the first the first sign of life you saw from an Oklahoma run game this year was the Texas game. And that was the first time Oklahoma's run game had looked okay and that's when they had uh TJ not TJ uh, yeah, TJ Pledger come in and instead of true freshman Seth McGowan and he really had a, an effective game against the Longhorns and then TCU they had a decent game on the ground, but it wasn't anything too significant. Uh, but then you look at, of course, KU, you got to throw that game out. Um, yeah, but uh, Texas Tech is the game that Ramondre Stevenson comes out. And you see a difference. It's not even – a lot of it is not even the offensive line uh, for, for what we saw with Ramondre Stevenson because even when TJ Pledger was in the game, even when Seth McGowan was in the game against Texas Tech – they are getting you four or five yard gains, three, four yard gains against Texas Tech. But every time Ramondre Stevenson gets the ball, the man's reading what's going on up front relatively well um, and not being taken down on the first sign of contact. And he's getting eight to nine yards. And it, it, it really just, he brings this, he, he brought this attitude of grown ass man football back. In Oklahoma, you've been dealing with the true freshman that you don't have a proper off season. Uh, so he's still Seth McGowan's still in his high school body. Kennedy Brooks opted out for the season. Trey Sermon's playing for the Buckeyes right now. And so you get Ramondre Stevenson back and you forget how good of a running back he actually was last year. And he's a little ag- more agile. He's stiff arms. He's great in the pass game. He's great in pass protection. And so then you start to ask yourself, all right, was it an offensive line issue? Was it a running back issue? As of course, just like most things, it's somewhere in the middle. I do believe Oklahoma's finding its rhythm up front. Um, I feel like they're starting to hold themselves more accountable, specifically in the guards uh, between Tyrese Robinson at right guard and Marquise Hayes over the left guard. They're starting to find the rhythm for these GT counters that Bill Beatembo loves to run all the time. And uh, you're starting to see that come together as well as the offense is really starting to feel a lot more comfortable and clicking and clicking and clicking to where, you're not really expecting them to run on first down. So, I mean, it's, it's really hard to judge where the run game is at because, I mean, TCU has been really their own, their only defensive test all year. I mean, Kansas State, that was that was a fun one. Uh, and Iowa State, realistically, I mean, Oklahoma had three score leads in all those games, and they just, they just blew it in the second half. Uh, Sons, Iowa State, that was an 11-point lead. But, you know, they, they've been able to run the ball a little more successfully. You know, Texas game, which isn't much of a brag. Uh, then you go to TCU, and they have a lot of success there. You know, Gary Patterson, regardless how bad his offenses are, his defenses are usually formidable, and Oklahoma still had a lot of success against Gary Patterson, and Lincoln Riley still owns Gary Patterson. Uh, and then you – Kansas is god-awful. Texas Tech's in the middle of a transition. So you're really seeing, like, hey – put the cards down this week Oklahoma State brings a ton of experience on defense a great coordinator uh, the chess match between Lincoln Riley and what Mike Gundy and staff over there and Jim Knowles and all those guys you know I'm curious to see what's going to happen this Saturday because Oklahoma hasn't really faced a defense this tough since TCU um, but the game's in Norman so I wonder how that affects anything if anything because there's like no fans what are your thoughts to this point about Spencer Rattler? Obviously, the talent in the ceiling and the upside is there, but he's still a freshman. We've seen him make freshman mistakes, as we would all expect. Uh, how have you seen him improve to this point in the season? And conversely, is there anything that maybe concerns you about him playing in a you know a big game with a lot of implications at this point, still being a freshman and only his, what, 
seventh, eighth start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, gosh. Uh, Oklahoma fans are spoiled, man. Uh, I mean, you look at you look at last year, you look at Jalen Hurts, and people in the know, and everybody will tell you, uh, you know, everybody could have told you off record too. We probably discussed it at some point last year. Uh, Jalen Hurts was never the best quarterback in the quarterback room last year. It was always Spencer Rattler. Uh, during practice, they, uh, Spencer would throw balls that everybody's saying, holy crap, and Jalen Hurts knows he can't rip the balls up, it seems like that, and that was last year. Everybody knew who the better quarterback was by November. If Spencer Rattler would have made it onto campus in, in Norman in January instead of that summer before, uh, Jalen Hurts doesn't transfer to OU. Uh, Oklahoma rides it out with true freshman Spencer Rattler. And so Oklahoma fans are spoiled in the fact that we're now having conversations of, is he the best quarterback in the big 12 already? Uh, or is that just what link the Lincoln Riley effect combined with his talent? He brings from pinnacle from Arizona. And of course he's had a year under Lincoln Riley to mature or, you know, and develop any of that acumen and, of course, Oklahoma has Caleb Williams, the uh, number one quarterback, and he's already living in Norman, and he's still in high school. So I don't know how that is maybe legal or working, but, hey, we'll, we'll figure that out. He transferred for academics. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, yes, uh, Norman he's, academics. Yeah. He's, he's, he's working with a former OU basketball player on strength and conditioning and his, you know, conditioning his body, so I'm sure everything's fine there. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of OU fans, a lot of OU folks in – we decided what is what is the measure for success for Spencer Rattler coming into the season, and a lot of us put it at all right. The measure of success is 2015 Baker Mayfield. So, Oklahoma's Sooner fans and folks are down after 2014. Bob Stoops repunts to Tyree Kill. Uh, they they Trevor Knight's there, but now all of a sudden Baker Mayfield's eligible, and people are like, oh, Baker Mayfield's not going to be the savior of Oklahoma football. And they were indeed wrong. He was in combined with, you know, Lincoln Riley and Samaj P. Ryan, Joe Mixon, et cetera, that all kind of came together in the same year. And Spencer Rattler surpassed Baker Mayfield's numbers uh, from 2015. Now, maturity-wise, is he there yet? Uh, I feel like it's about the same. Baker Mayfield in 2015 and partially 2016 made dumb mistakes, the same mistakes he made at Texas Tech, and that's when he started to clean those things up uh, after the Ohio State game in, in 16 in Oklahoma, lost uh, to Houston and then to Ohio State, so they started one and two. But Spencer Rattler, you've seen him. He's made some really bad freshman mistakes, of course. he the one, They had a chance to win the Kansas State game. They had a chance to win the Iowa State game, and he was a freshman uh, in, in game-ending interceptions. And even even against TCU, uh, maybe he's feeling a little too much too comfortable in his skin. The man throws across his body for a really dumb a really dumb interception here or there, and he gets benched during the Texas game. He's going to tell you it's because his shoulder is dinged. Uh, Lincoln Riley is going to tell you he needed to calm down. So who are we going to believe here? And Tanner Mordecai came in for more than one series. If Spencer Rattler was fine he would have gone into the next play because all Oklahoma fans and all Oklahoma folks know Tanner Mordecai's not winning that game for you. It's going to be Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler's arm talent is too much. So it's kind of like this. I'm not comparing him to Patrick Mahomes at all, but I'm saying what we see in Spencer Rattler is a really good talent, a really, really, really high ceiling and a really high floor. Um, and his talent is very apparent. His brain, maybe his reading of the game is slowing down for sure, but he hasn't quite 100% put it together yet. So you see a lot of greatness on display because he's a really good quarterback in a Lincoln Riley system. Um, when he puts those two and two together, uh, which could be next year when they have all these guys coming back on offense and defense, uh, that's a different problem for the rest of the Big 12 that we can talk about next year. Uh, but Spencer Rattler, um, yeah, I mean, he makes dumb mistakes here and there. I wish he would slide more often. I wish he would take more sacks. I wish he would throw the ball away. Uh, the man loves playing football. He loves being the center of attention. He loves scoring the touchdowns. He loves doing all the things that he thinks a leader should do. Sometimes gets himself into trouble. That sounds familiar, I'm sure, on your end. Um, so, so familiar. Yeah. To the yeah. name, in fact. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what he does this Saturday, but one of my keys for the game is just 
don't try to do everything downfield. Trust your checkdowns. Oklahoma State defense is is they're veteran. They're a veteran group. They're savvy. They're a good bunch. Uh, you have to utilize your checkdowns. Throw the ball away when necessary. Don't give them any big plays. Uh, and I think that's going to be a really big key to for both teams. So no big plays over the top for uh, the Saturday. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. Like I'm not saying with this in quarterback. There's a lot of similarities between Spencer Sanders and Spencer Rattler. A lot of that's youth. Um, I think Rattler is better than Sanders, and I think Rattler is further along than Sanders. But there are a lot of similarities in in their issues mm-hmm. between the two of them. Um, I, I appreciate that you called the defense some some good guys. Like you know, they're you know, okay. Um, <laughs> they're they're a good bunch. They're not they're not bottom they're good half bunch. Of the Big Twelve. They're not what? They're not bottom half of the Big Twelve, are they? No, they're they're arguably the best unless you want to yeah. go to West Virginia. So yeah, they're, they're, they're a great bunch. They're a good bunch. Yeah. They've also played, bunch. they've also played like, you know, not that many great teams. I mean, they, they let me, let me preface this. Hold up. Cause they beat both the teams that Oklahoma lost to. That's so. true. That's true. See, that's, that's, that's the thing is that what, what, what were the first games they had? Their first te- their, their first test was against was Iowa Tulsa. state. It was Tulsa. Oh, Tulsa. Yeah. They're a good team. They played um, Iowa State. They played uh, Kansas State. They and played they Texas and lost. And, uh, yeah. huh? Oh my my goodness, that Texas game. Talk. I'm. I feel bad yes. for you guys for that Texas game. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> we actually didn't do the recap on that one because we were so pissed off. Yeah, I don't, I don't do blame it. you. I don't blame you. And, and, the, and the frustrating thing about this conversation, right, is that Oklahoma was beating Kansas State by 21 in Norman, and Oklahoma had a chance to. They actually they, they forced a fumble. They went and scored a touchdown. They were up on Iowa State in the fourth quarter. And they just had not learned how to win yet. And it's so frustrating that now you look back and you say, oh, now you have Jaden Hazelwood at Oklahoma. Now you have Ronnie Perkins. Now you have Ramondre Stevenson. And now the offensive line is finally gelling. And now you have, you know, guys making plays and Theo Wees and Marvin Mims. It's frustrating to think that if you have those guys for Iowa State and Kansas State, they don't lose. Oh yeah, no. And, but the and, problem for Oklahoma was the run game. Like they well, couldn't sure. run the ball effectively, and it killed them because, like, it's the same problem people think of a gun deal. Oh, it's a spread offense. You just want to throw a thousand times a game. Yeah, gosh. no. <laughs> Riley's offense is predicated on successfully running the ball with. If you can't run the ball well, that offense isn't going to work. Same thing, Gundy. The you radio, have to per- run the ball. the radio personalities <laughs> tell me this is Texas Tech North. What are you talking about? Stop. That team loves to run the ball. It's the same thing with Gundy. Like, Gundy, the, the, I can't remember what year it was. It was like 08 or 09 where the season ended with the same number of pass attempts as rushing attempts. And I'm pretty sure Gundy has that, like, crocheted up on his wall somewhere and just stares at it happily. Mm. Like, running the ball – Texas Tech is all about – or was is all about just throwing the ball when you want to run. Mm-hmm. Riley likes to run the ball. Running the ball is very important. Don't tell me I'm wrong here. Like, I'm – You're right. I know yeah. I'm not wrong. Yeah. Like, and when they couldn't run the ball effectively, that's really what killed OU. So I, I do have a question for it because I'm curious. He, Lincoln Riley has never come out and said which position group it was that was, quote unquote, uh, basically knocked out by coronavirus. Mm. Correct. He hasn't, he's never really come out and said what it was. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I, would, I feel like I would make a pretty good bet if I put my daughter's like tuition fund that we've started on that being the offensive line group, which would explain why they had a slow start to the season, which is an unusual thing to see from Oklahoma. They've had some illnesses within both trenches early on. Yes, that would be correct. Okay. And they are now playing closer to what we expect from an Oklahoma offensive line to play, correct? Yeah, uh, things look more crisp. They look swifter. Uh, the GT counters look better. Uh, and then now, of course, they've got all, former All-American uh, Chris Murray, who transferred from UCLA, eligible to step in. Uh, true freshman Andrew Rain from Broken Arrow, who looks who looks uh, promised to take mm-hmm. Creed Humphrey's center job next year if Creed goes to the NFL. Uh, they've got quality backups, and it looks like they're really – they, they, they came back COVID, but also – fat and out of shape i mean it's never a good sign when it's never a good sign when marquise hayes leaves the season 330 pounds and comes back 350 pounds it's never a good sign yeah it's never a good sign uh 
when Tyrese Robinson leaves Oklahoma 330 pounds and comes back to Oklahoma 360 pounds. And uh, yeah, it, it was bad I, when I looked at, because people are looking at the numbers and people are looking at the, the, the new Jersey numbers and whoever else and who, who's in what position in depth charts. I was looking at weights and I thought, holy crap, like Creed Humphrey's the only guy that didn't gain 20 pounds. And I'm guessing this is not a good 20 pounds. And subsequently Creed Humphrey was the one getting shoved around early on in the season too. So uh, they had a really rough go for the first few games for sure. And even in the, the Texas game, I guess they decided to buck up and really put their money where their mouth is and they started to run off games, but I don't know how much you can trust that considering they haven't played a really good defensive line since uh, Kansas state, Iowa state. I mean, TCU was good, but they even struggled running the ball a little bit there, but they didn't have Ramondre Stevenson and other guys back. So it's kind of tough to tell. Mama's home cooking is hard to turn down, man. <laughs> You're stuck at home under quarantine. Mama's going to whip something up for you. You don't for say sure. no. You don't say no. All right. So, Conrad, give me just some slight glimmer of hope so I don't hate myself so much on Saturday. If Oklahoma State were to pull off – I. Oklahoma State's higher ranked, but I'm going to call it an upset if Oklahoma State were to win, just given the history of the rivalry. If Oklahoma State were to come pull off the upset, how do they do it? What is Oklahoma State able to exploit in order to get this done? Uh, Oklahoma State would... Please, please just don't say that Oklahoma just doesn't show up to the field. No, yeah, no, yeah, I think Oklahoma. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be an, a, ver, a very close bedlam game, uh, regardless of where it's being played, uh, regardless of what the weather is. I think Jelani Woods is a really, really nice target uh, that they've got over there. Uh, considering that you know their Oklahoma's defensive backs are roughly like a five foot eight combined, uh, they they are small boys, uh, and that's what you saw. That was a big issue against Kansas State. That was a big issue against Iowa State. Oklahoma right now, what Alex Grinch is doing is they're trying to recruit length and DBs that are not five foot nine without cleats. Uh, and so that's been a that's been a significant issue. And then so then you combine that with, you know, a guy like Tylen Wallace, and then you combine that with uh, a guy like Spencer Sanders that Oklahoma, you know, they've not seen a quarterback uh, like Spencer Sanders. I mean, like you can say Sam Ellinger all you want, but their games are totally different. I mean, they're both, they both can run the ball. Uh, one's a more talented runner. One's a more talented passer. Uh, but the, I mean, both talent, not both, uh, both uh, Sanders and Ellinger do turn the ball over at inopportune times to win games. But I mean, you, you that's a lot of quarterbacks in the big 12 seems like these days. Um, but no, it, it feels like Oklahoma. I think they are, they haven't shown the ability to still put the foot on the necks of their opponents, even if they get up Oklahoma also, all, they haven't shown a lot of it this year, but I still feel like they're prone to the big, to the big play uh, through the air, especially when you have not necessarily guys like Tyler Wallace, Oklahoma's probably going to bracket him. Um, but then you look at guys like Dylan Stoner who can get loose under an Oklahoma secondary that, you know, outside of their number one DB and maybe safety over the top aren't as strong as they have been in years past and injuries taking some toll uh, with, you know, guys like Justin Harrington, Oklahoma really was playing to work in this year. And then suddenly, you know, he has an injury. So I think Oklahoma state can attack OU deep. And I think, it's going to cause them Oklahoma's defense to be stretched out a little bit. And I think that's, that could possibly give running lanes for Spencer Sanders. And um, I think that's going to create problems for Oklahoma. They haven't really faced an offense as dynamic as this because Texas, that mean what is, is Texas the best offense Oklahoma's really faced this year uh, with, you know, brought, I guess Iowa state, maybe, not they haven't faced a dynamic offense like Oklahoma State that has a Chuba Hubbard that lost money from coming back this year that has Tylen Wallace that has uh, the the oh the backup running back Brown right uh, yeah, healthy Brown yeah he's been very good for them this year and so Oklahoma hasn't really faced a trio of athletes of that caliber this year they faced a really good running back here they faced a good quarterback here they faced a good wide receiver here but not at all in a trio. And it's gonna it's gonna be a problem for Oklahoma, and I think Alex Grinch has really taken that seriously. So, 
uh, I think Oklahoma State has more than a good chance to make this not only competitive to make, but to win. I mean, I, in, in my pick, I picked Oklahoma 38-35, but my 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 confidence level is not at all high. It's shaken. I, I think Oklahoma State's a very good team, um, and I think Oklahoma also just happens to be peaking at the right time. So you'll get to see a good matchup of both who what they have. Can you don't give me hope? Like, yeah, don't, like, just, I, don't I come on here and do that. That is like, we may, we may be uh, on rival sides here, but you know, not cruel and unusual punishment. I mean, so. Oklahoma state has a good defense. They, they got they a great running back. They've got a great cast of receivers. Uh, it's, it, it's going to boil down to, Hey, is if it rains, then all bets are off. And if it's super rainy, it's going to be a stupid game. And you know, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's defense has shown to be a little bit more uh, resistant and a lot more big play observant than uh, the Sooners have. And if if you're forcing the, the ball to be run, uh, you know it could be it could be an interesting day for all. Uh, Spencer Sanders is more eligible and more likely to make bigger plays in RPO, especially with his feet, than Spencer Rattler is at this time in their careers. As Spencer Sanders is physically a better athlete right now just because he's been in the program for more time so i, I really think it's going to be an interesting game uh, i think oklahoma's run defense has been pretty stout i mean it's been stout all year and then you add in a ronnie perkins and then then now you're adding in david aguebu getting a lot more experience and a lot of other dudes but then again you you, you just look at you know trace ford calvin bundage heat seeking missiles off the edge and then looking looking at other guys that they have over in that defense i think yeah, I think it's going to be a tightly contested matchup the entire evening. I do have one more question. You talked about your secondary. Over under three and a half pass interference penalties on Bucky Radley Hiles. If he plays under. Are you taking with the under at three? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I've he been... plays. If he plays. Is he hurt? He might, me might be on a list. I don't know. Ah. <laughs> if he plays under, if if he doesn't play, well then it's moot, right? Yeah, fair right. enough. I, I've just been watching. I've, I've watched pretty much every OU game this year, and I'm like, man, this dude is very ungood at football. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He's a he's a you know people. He's a five star. Uh, no, he's like five foot eight with cleats on. Uh, he's a nickelback for some reason <laughs> in a defense that you need him in run support. And he uh, talks a lot of shit for not doing yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the he is that guy that the ball is twenty yards overthrown. He's getting up, acting like he just made a big ass disruption. He made the play. This is the same guy that uh, intercepted intercepted the Kansas quarterback last week or the, two weeks ago, and then subsequently actually just fumbled the ball and gave it back to Kansas. <laughs> Uh, on the same on the same interception that he was making a play on so yeah he he's been the main gripe of this defense he's had really good games where you haven't even noticed them and then he's had really 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 awful games where everybody says this guy sucks how he how is he a five-star kid how is he starting in oklahoma secondary and uh so there are there are a lot of opinions about brendan radley hiles uh certainly in norman and a lot of them are not great opinions so what you're telling me is the key to this game is that he needs to have a bad game for OSU. I'm Basically telling just, you, just yeah. have Jelani Woods run right at him the entire game. That's what Iowa State did. They did Charlie Kolar every time he boxed him out, and because Oklahoma defensive backs are five foot nothing, uh, it it didn't work in their favor. If Jelani Woods was a reliable pass catcher, then sure. Yeah. He's a really, really good run blocker. I feel like he's going to have a lot of success in the NFL, and OSU oh, fans are going to be really pissed. Oh, yeah, yes. No, that you're absolutely right. We're Same look at it for Blake Jarwin. Yep. <laughs> That's when we didn't use tight ends, so, you know. Yeah. yeah. In the traditional they're useful, sense. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're very useful. Lincoln Riley loves H-backs. And a name to maybe look out for for Oklahoma H-backs would be Mikey Henderson. He's a true freshman. The dude plays H-back, tight end, receiver, running back, whatever they – fullback, whatever they want him to. He's a, he's a really dynamic guy, really big dynamic guy in Lincoln Riley's offense. All right. Well, Kamiar, thank you so much tonight. You, you, you said your prediction earlier, 38-35 OU. 
Uh, if it's that close, uh, I don't know if I'll be alive for a post-game show. Uh, but thank you very much for your time tonight. Uh, for any Oklahoma State fans who may want to follow your work and see what the other side of uh, this rivalry has to, to show, where, where can they do that? Yeah, you guys can find me over at crimsonandcreammachine.com. Uh, you guys can find me over on Twitter at Kamarabi and CCM. Uh, you know, I, I posted a tweet today about Mr. Tumnus and Spencer Sanders looking exactly alike, if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, but, yeah, that's where you can find my stuff, guys. That was really how dare, how dare you make fun of someone's facial hair. Like, that's really <laughs> just it's a low blow. You're such there are some really angry people about that tweet. They're like, well – Spencer Rattler looks like that weird toy with the with the hair, and I was like, "Awesome, man, that's cool." Hey, why why are people so angry? I I wish I I'm I sorry. Have you it, never been on Twitter before? Well, I, I mean, for, like, I for yeah. one thing, and <laughs> it's and the hilarious, the hilarious and ironic part about all of this is that the same people that think Spencer Sanders sucks are the same people that are like, "Why are you making fun of him?" It's like, uh, whatever, dude. It's only we can do that. Okay, only we that's only we right. can say he's terrible. I love that. If we have to suffer through five turnover games from him, then we're allowed to make fun of him. You're not. All right. Hey, well, well, while we're doing over-unders, over-under Spencer Sanders turns the ball over 1.5 times. Over. over. Wow, really? I'll take two. Uh, no, I, said, I think I said He had no turnover sure. game against Kansas State. They Part of that was an incredibly conservative offensive game plan, so he didn't have to turn the ball over. You can't and he still play almost did on the first twice. drive. Yeah. Um, you cannot come in with an overly conservative offensive game plan against Oklahoma and expect to win. You cannot just rely on the on the defense unless you expect the defense to score three times. They won't. So you're gonna have to open things up. He's going to turn the ball. It, it, there's a. I don't. I, I'm, I'm not going to get as mad about some of the turnovers. I don't care as much about all the interceptions. Like, should he f- throw fewer? Yes. Will he? Yes. Where I get pissed off is the fumbles. Hold on to the damn ball. A fumble, a f- interceptions, defense can make a great play. Sometimes it's a tip pass. Sometimes you know, mm-hmm. lots of things, can, you get hit. and like, Lots of things can happen on interception. Fluky things. As a fumble, hold the ball. Like, that's on you. There's no one else to blame. I understand sometimes a defender can just get an arm in there and punch it out. Fine. You fumble the ball too often. It's not a fluky thing. You can't, you can't fumble. Like, it's on you. So as long as he's going to fumble, I'm going to get pissed off about his turnovers. If he's going to throw a pick or two, Brett Favre threw picks. Like, Aaron Rodgers, like, aggressive quarterbacks throw interceptions. I, I don't – I would rather have a guy that throws a, a pick a game and is aggressive and makes big plays than Derek Carr. Fair. That's who never those never those interceptions, but you're you're never gonna get big plays out of them. So he also sucks. it's kind of give and get. <laughs> but I'm also I'm also a bitter chief. I'm also a Chiefs fan, so I I think I feel like I'm morally obligated to say that anyone from the Raiders sucks. What do you think is the big key to deciding this game on Saturday? Ultimately, what do you think is gonna decide? Ultimately, this uh, OU doesn't show up to the field. They forget what time kickoff is. Gosh. <laughs> I'm already. Um, I'm. I'm. I want to be sad with you guys. That like that. That is. A, that is. Because I think. I feel like you. I think. I feel like Oklahoma State has a really good shot to win if uh, the offensive line is even average for them. I, mean, really, I, I think. I, I, it's, it, to me, it boils down to something as simple as just winning the turnover battle. It, if if Oklahoma State can force a couple of turnovers, or even if it's even, if it's two two, you steal a couple of possessions from Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler. I feel a little bit better. I, I think it's something that's really that simple. If if you can if you can do a good job against Oklahoma's running game, if you can keep it, not you're not going to neutralize it, but if you can make it look like it did early in the season, force Spencer Rattler to make more plays which increases the likelihood of him making a mistake. Like he's going to make some mistakes. It's that same thing with Spencer Sanders. So if you put him in more spots to make a mistake and can take advantage of those, and Spencer Sanders doesn't make the mistakes we saw against Texas, that is the only shot I see of Oklahoma State winning. Like it's going to have to be which quarterback has the better day and makes the fewer mistakes. If, mm-hmm. if it's Sp- Sanders plays lights out and Rattler doesn't, Oklahoma State could win if it's the other way around, but that's just it. Like I think Oklahoma State almost has to play a, a perfect game um, 
I think they can do pretty close to that on defense. They're going to give up at least one big play. That's fine. You, you, you're going to give up one in the Big 12. You give up one or two, you can survive that. Defense is going to play well. It, it's all about the offense to me for Oklahoma State. We have not seen them look great much this season. You've had to go through different quarterbacks. You've had offensive line issues. Um, has been banged up. It took him a few games to get rolling. And we've had a lot of different issues. It's 2020, it's COVID, yada, 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 yada. If, if Oklahoma State's offense can play their best game of the season on Saturday, the defense is absolutely good enough to get you the win. Yeah, I feel like the game boils down to whichever defensive line hits home most often. So uh, is it probably going to be a close – this is going to be like – I think what happens in a lot of Bedlam games is it's a close game until the fourth quarter and OU gets a late score that makes it a 9-10-11, 13-point win when it was a six- or seven-point game the whole game, but then a late score by Oklahoma because OSU is trying to make a play to stay in the game and it goes the wrong way and OU gets a score and then it's – OU wins by 14 even though it was a six-point game for three and three-quarters quarters. So, you know. Bedlam Saturday, guys. Yep. It's, Get excited. It's, it's going to be an American on Saturday morning. It is uh, going to be in an organized game of American collegiate football, and the folks in orange and black are probably going to hate our lives for three hours. But you know what? We're going <laughs> to we're we're going to have a good time doing it. It'll be a good game. It'll be a good game, and just you know, drink some drink some beer. Take the take the edge off a little bit. It doesn't take the edge off. Came here. How badly? If you were like us, would you like to see orange on red this year? You know, yeah, I, th- I think, I think, I think it's going to be, I think it would be a great idea eventually. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State has so many, so many dang uniform combinations that they've seen in the last how many years in Oklahoma. You know, like they have the regular stuff and then one alternate, which it's kind of boring. But yeah. I mean, our yeah, fan base is boring. Crap. Yeah, our our fan base is just boring, anyways. Like when you stand up at football games, the uh, the old people just tell you to sit down. Kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna lie, the fan base at OU is not fun. Uh, the students leave at halftime; they don't come back. They just expect OU to be really good, which is another testament how spoiled they are. Um, but uh, no, I'd love to see that. But I wasn't a big fan of Oklahoma State's uniforms a few years back when it was like this weird kind of barbed wire kind of trailer park looking uniform. Oh, the, the Ed Hardy helmet. Those were garbage, but I mean, I would be a really big fan of throwbacks with, you know, like not, not even like Barry Sanders throwbacks, but I'm, I'm talking uh, maybe like Rashawn Woods throwbacks kind of early, early two mm. thousands, uh, orange, mm. white pants, white helmet. And then of course the, uh, uh, the crimson, Crimson helmet, crimson, and then white pants. I think that would look really good, uh, regardless, you know, whatever stage. But on on ABC six six thirty p.m. on primetime, I think that would be an excellent showing for not only Oklahoma but the Big Twelve. Colored jersey on colored jersey would be like just just make it a thing. Like yeah. just do it. Like, it would be like I get red and orange aren't like the best color combo. Yeah. But anytime you've ever seen color on color like that, it's always it's just. It just pops different, and it looks good. And I'm like, all for you're gonna have with all with more games getting canceled. Assuming this game gets played, there's gonna be that many eyes on you. Yeah, it's 2020. We all we deserve this. Like we've had enough shit. Give us give us this. Okay, give me that. I feel like if there's ever gonna be a, a, a red on orange game first, it'll be OU Texas. But I could see OU and Oklahoma State doing it in the future as well. Uh, do it before Texas does. We got to beat Texas. Like though. I said, I I just think I, I said this on your show. I just think Texas is too prideful, to, and they love their burn orange, which for them to clash with OU's crimson yeah. on the same field, like they're gonna go. No, we're we're too good for that. I think Oklahoma State can put them. We'll put their bright yeah. orange up against them and be fine with it. Oh, they yeah. do it in other sports. Why can't they just do it now? Yeah, Texas wanted to. Uh, you know. To- Texas is ridiculous, man. They they want to say like we're so proud of our burnt orange and. Our, our our national legacy has been we're above average. So like we keep on being asking people, are we back? I mean, yes, Texas is back. They win nine games, eight to nine games a year, and occasionally they have a ten and eleven win season. That's great. I mean, that's Texas football. So yes, they've always been back. They've been above average. Uh, that's that's what they are. Uh, so it's funny that like Texas fans would be like, oh, our burnt orange, and like like bro, you 
your best player since Vince Young is Colt McCoy. And and before and before Vince Young, it's Major Applewhite, Roy Williams, and that Roy Williams wasn't even the best Roy Williams in the Big Twelve at that time because he had Kansas Roy Williams and OU Roy Williams too. Like, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> I, I think at least we can. Oh, I love that. Oh, that that's, that's good. beautiful. Yeah, but I will that's say this: beautiful. you know, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma may not like each other, but at least we can agree and talk and vent about our mutual disdain. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For the University of Texas. God, they're so awful. I mean, <laughs> I remember at Big 12 Media Days being, being like prefaced, like saying, hey, listen, Tom Herman is not a likable guy. And I was like, I'm sure he's not that bad. And they're like, no, just like give it a chance. And he, he literally thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And I hate that dude. He sucks, man. Like, holy crap. That guy sucks, sucks. Just the worst. Smug. I, I have always operated under the, the, the policy of if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. So if you think you're the smartest guy in the room, A, you're probably not. And B, <laughs> But he's, I, he's I, a, I don't want to be in the room with you. Guy's an idiot. Guy's just guy's an idiot, man. I he he, he it's it's incredible. And you know, it it warmed my heart to see it warmed my heart and also broke my heart at the same time to see Sam Ellinger just clutch Spencer Sanders in, in Stillwater. I mean, I he was flushed from the pocket. He should have been sacked. And this man throws a dart to Jake something, and then that's it. I, I was, I was just, I was in awe. I'm sure you guys were in awe too. I was just like, could not believe that. I was and, in awe, uh, but I about put, ripped a <laughs> hole in my couch. Gosh, I, I would, I would rather lose to Texas Tech than lose to Texas. That's fair. That's fair. That's a fair <laughs> statement. And I hate Texas Tech fans. They're the worst in the Big Twelve. I feel like bunch of. Yeah. Don't 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 leave out Kansas State fans either. I found they're not that great either. But at least you know, at least like they're reasonable sometimes. Like Texas <laughs> Tech folks, you know, out of the last one hundred years, besides Buddy Holly, who had an, an, a tragic ending to his life, the only good thing to come out of Lubbock is is Pat Mahomes. And you look another hundred years in the future when we're all dead and gone, and Patrick Mahomes is still going to be the best thing to come out of Lubbock in two hundred years. I mean, and those people are insufferable just because they, they have to – they live in Lubbock, man. There are more tumbleweeds than there are people. I get it. But, like, life is not that hard, homie. Like, stop throwing batteries at people. It's okay. Uh, we need to have Kamiar on the show more often. Even if it's not <laughs> talking about OU, like, this is fun. <laughs> Agreed. We're just going to have – you know what we're going to do? We're going to have an off-season fan base bashing episode. In Let's do it. I, I mean, I'm here for it. And I'm here for the Baylor fans and the Baylor, like, the night that Jalen Hurts came back and their pastor said, sick him, Jesus. Uh, that was a weird thing. And then subsequently – yeah, yeah. before before OU and Baylor kicked off last year, the, the, their pregame uh, kind of uh, prayer, the, the guy said, sick him, Jesus. And we all looked up. We're like, What? And then, of course, you know, we're like, well, I guess we're on the wrong side of the Lord this evening because OU's losing 28-3. to And then, of course, Jalen Hurts led a comeback. But the Lord goodness, works in mysterious ways. He truly does. <laughs> I just love uh, this. Yeah. <sighs> yeah it's, the it's, the it's irony is spectacular. Odd. Yep. Oh, for sure. Uh, All right, man. Well, we'll say we will do this again. Lord's we'll just have side. like a fan yes, base. The Lord cares session. about a football game. Yeah. He does. He does. We're, we're going to have a roast session with Kamiar later on this year. I don't know when that'll happen. But we need to have him on again. Thank you so much again, man. We Like I said, I think I said thank you like four times because I think we tried to end this, <laughs> move, move on like four different times. But again, hey, it's worth it's been worth it. It's a good conversation. You've listened to this point. Thank you. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Thank you to Kamiar Morabian for coming on and previewing Bedlam with us, roasting other Big 12 teams. And it's overall having a good conversation. But I'll say this, Philip. He gave me way too much hope. I didn't expect oh, that, to be honest with you. Oh, I don't. I, I am. He's coming in from 
uh, a position of strength. Uh, he has the high ground. So it's very easy to be like, yeah, this is going to be a good game. Uh, it's be a competitive game. Uh, and I, I, I see a path for Oklahoma State winning, to which I say, none of that's like, I think Oklahoma's going to lose. Like that's, it's very nice of him to say those things. It's very, he's a nice guy. I appreciate it. Um, I wish you fans or listeners were like, I don't need to hear this negativity. They're like, that's fine. You must be new here. Welcome. Um, don't worry. You too shall be battered and bruised soon enough. So just, I think my problem with this game is going to be this. Um, and this. I hate admitting things like this. It makes me sound like a bad fan. And, I, and maybe I am. Maybe I am a really shitty fan. Maybe I am just too jaded and negative and grumpy. And, and those all may be true. Uh, and this, this season has absolutely taken a toll on me a little bit. Um, I, I'm at the point where I don't know if I can take another like gut-wrenching Iowa State, Texas, Kansas State game with a with a loss like i know i'm tired of these almost there can't quite get their games because like it's it's almost worse like i i, I don't think it's been a 52 to 9 game i would rather take a 52 to 9 game than oklahoma ripping our hearts out like i just can't oh, do it I, I, don't, I don't want to do that no i absolutely would rather get blown the hell out in this game because at least we know okay oklahoma is clearly the better team and oklahoma state had no reason being in that game than a 30 to 27 last second field goal where Oklahoma just rips our hearts out and we're like, well, we had another chance, like we did in 18, like we did in 17, like we did in 13, like we did in 12, and on and on and on. I would much rather just see an like just absolute blowout in this game than than otherwise. But let's let's rein it back in a little bit and not let's let's talk ourselves back off the ledge just slightly, just a couple steps back. What's your key to the game offensively for Oklahoma State? I mean, you you just – you have to play – I don't know about other things saying you have to play the best game you've played all season offensively. Um, they they did some nice things in the Texas game. And, and in the first half, you should have had that game put away. I think the offense struggled a lot in the second half. Texas adjusted well. Like, you have to have that first half offensively you had against Texas against Oklahoma – minus the turnovers like that's the thing if you put together an offensive performance like you get against texas in that first half if you can do that against oklahoma then you have a real shot um full credit to the oklahoma state defense i think they're going to play well this is the best defense oklahoma state had under gundy there's no argument about it um this is a good off oklahoma offense i think they are playing their best I think there is a certain amount of like, don't overreact to the Texas Tech and Kansas performances because they're Texas Tech and not in Kansas, but they can rally gets an, an idle week to prepare for Oklahoma State. They, they're going to figure some things out. They're going to figure out where Oklahoma State's defensive flaws are. Um, and they're going to be able to exploit them. He's a really, 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 really good coach. So this cannot be what you do with Kansas State and say, we're just going to rely on the defense to win this game. The offense, we've talked about this, the offense has to win a game. The offense has to win a game. The offense has not won a game yet. I don't believe. I believe every game up to this point, credit goes to the defense for getting the win. The defense is not going to beat Oklahoma. It's not. It's not going to do it. The offense has to do it. So I want to see a really efficient and effective offensive performance. I don't know what that looks like. I think that's running the ball, getting creative, seeing somebody other than Thailand step up. Um, because the, he's right, Thailand's going to get bracketed. And he's going to make plays, but other guys are going to have to step up. And Spencer cannot fumble the ball. You want to throw a pick or two? I can deal with a pick or two. I can. You want to give me one one in each half? I'll, I'll shut up about it. But you can't have five turnovers. You can't fumble the ball. You can't do it at the red zone. You've got to be efficient in the red zone. When you get red zone opportunities, you can't settle for field goals. You have to get touchdowns. Like, I, I just I, – I, and I don't – I have not seen <laughs> – it, it's so friggin' frustrating to look at this season and go, put a normal Oklahoma State offense with this defense and you're winning the Big 12 comfortably. Put 2017's offense with this friggin' defense. You're winning the Big 12 comfortably. But, of course, the one year you have a lights-out, top of the Big 12, amazing, top-10 nationally defense, your offense is playing like this. 
And it's just, it is, it is life as a non blue blood. And that's fine. Just need, I just need one. I, I would honest to God this week, just for my own comfort, take a 49, 47 game over a 24, 22 slug out. Yeah. You, you, you kind of, you mentioned that there at the very end, my biggest key is don't settle for field goals. I, I mentioned it a little bit and I, I've said it before. I'm a huge Kansas city chiefs fan. I know when Oakland Kansas City's defense is solid, but when I watch teams in the red zone settle for field goals, I'm like, you're going to get your ass kicked today because you do not beat the Kansas city chiefs kicking field goals. You are not going to beat the university of Oklahoma kicking field goals. I want to see one of the most aggressive game plans Mike Gundy and Casey Dunn have ever put together. I need Mike Gundy to coach with his mullet and I need Casey Dunn to put on that old raggedy ball cap and go and throw everything that you have at Oklahoma. You have to to win this game. So I was talking with Parker Fleming of Stats of War, um, Frogs of War, yada, yada, yada. Really smart guy, analytics, yada, yada. Um, and we were, we were talking about offensive from the standpoint of, I wish more teams, especially once you get to the opponent's side of the 50, coached four downs, not three downs, coached four downs offensively. Coached with, not with the mindset of we've got three chances and then we're going to punt. Coached with the mindset of we've got four chances because I don't want to see punting, especially once you hit the opponent's 40, I don't want to see a punt. Uh, I want you I'm to sorry. play four downs. No. Plus territory, never punt. I'll say it. I'll, I'll settle for from the 50 to the 40 just because – you're giving – it's too good a field position. It's really, really good field position. Now, the defense for Oklahoma State can handle that good field position for the offense, for the opposition. They can. I'm fine with that. Coach four downs because it changes the mindset of how you coach. Now, all of a sudden, third and seven doesn't mean you have to get seven yards. It means you have to get five yards because you've got two yards left to go. And it changes the way you coach, and it will change the way the defense has to react to the way that you're calling the offense. I want them, once they cross that 50, to coach every possession. I want four downs of offense, not three and a punt. Because if they do that, that's your aggressive play calling. And that is the kind of thing that puts a defense on its friggin' heels and gets you an opportunity to score. Now, look, you might do that, and you might never hit the end zone and never score a point because you never went for field goals. If, it's a, if you go into halftime and it's a 10 nothing game, all right, we'll talk about field goals because it's a close game and field goals could do you good. But as long as the game is, I just, I want, I want, I want you to be aggressive. I want this to be aggressive. Now, do I think they will be? No, because they can't trust Spencer Sanders with super aggressive offensive game plan. But I, you can't just, you can't do that. We're just going to rely on our defense. It's Oklahoma. It's not Kansas State. It's not Iowa State. It's not TCU. It's Oklahoma. You cannot just sit. We're going to, the defense is going to win us the game. Not this week. It's not. Who's your player to watch on offense? Mm. I've got mine, and Kamiar talked about it. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to go with the, the Jelani Wood stuff because I, I he'll get a few targets. I just don't think. But it's fun to talk about it. And if he was a, we talk about him as an offensive weapon, like he's Charlie Kolar. He's no, not Charlie. And, I, and I'm not. At, I. Here's the thing. If Bookie Radley Hiles is on the field and Casey Dunn, at least once a drive, doesn't just have Jelani Woods, Woods run straight at him and force a PI, they're doing a disservice because it's a free 15. You and I'm not, asking, I'm not asking Charlie Cola or uh, yeah. I'm not asking sure. Jelani Woods to have the game of his life in seven catches for 95 yards. I'm not asking like three catches for 40 or 50 yards on five targets i'll take that because that'll have some sort of significant impact because more often than not in those targets you're going to be throwing at an undersized safety and you have a six foot seven tight end that you can throw the ball to and he'll win that matchup more often than not or it's a penalty and you take that penalty every single time knowing the weakness of oklahoma's secondary knowing they're going to try and bracket tylen a lot I need this to be Braden Johnson's coming out game. It has to be. I, I'm with you, man. 
Like I, I Stoner has been solid. Um, Landon Wolf kind of came on recently. Um, but we don't hear Brayden Johnson name called enough. We don't hear much of, of, they did. Uh, and I wish I, I, for the only reason why I wish we would have recapped the, the Texas game was when we talked about, they did a great job getting him the ball on that first drive, manufacturing touches for him on that end around on his little quick routes. If he can become a better route runner, the dudes got legit wide receiver one speed and ability to get free, but he's just not, I don't think he's that good of a route runner at this point. And it's going to be a go ball. If they have to get the ball to him or a jet sweep end around something, but keep manufacturing touches for that guy. I'm with you. I'm with you. So let's receiving totals so far. Your top guys are Tylen, Dylan, Brandon Johnson's got 11 catches for 150 fewer yards. Then 